So I think there's an argument to be made that maybe if you've got a really good creator on the left and a really consistent dinker also on the left, if you just give them a guy on the right who's willing to take 30% of the court and just is really tough to attack on that 30% of the court, I think that lets the left side player play at their best because they're still taking a lot of court and they're still orchestrating the action. Like, I'm not saying I'm the one on the right that's that's orchestrating the action. I think in the final, I sped up maybe four or five times, but I was just a rock at the kitchen and I was really tough to attack. And I think that gives that gave Tyson a lot of freedom to play how he wanted to play. So I think I think the future of the right is maybe the most important thing might just be consistency and countering ability. Okay, we've got Adam Stone on the podcast. He is a major league pickleball GM. He's a legend of the, the pickleball game. He's got he's already been on this podcast. I've already introduced him. Um he doesn't need an introduction. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Adam. Uh, happy to be here. And James, I'm excited because the link came to me from your email. So I, I'm Corinne up in the corner. So this this is a good start. And uh, any, any lack of caffeination that you have, James, I've made up for it with two double shots of espresso. So I'm ready to rock, buddy. Wow. Okay. So we're just on a different different plane of existence right now. <laughs> I uh, Yeah. So for those who don't know, the last time I had Adam on the podcast, we had descended from Anna's email. It was just... Uh, it wasn't good. I didn't know what was going on, but I've, you know, a couple steps back to take 10 steps forward in the, uh, in the zoom, zoom world. That's what I've done. That's right. We're we're moving towards both of us are moving towards being real adults. So this, this is good. James is good. You're closer than me. You're <laughs> in age, maybe not in actions, but in age for sure. <laughs> so let's just get into it. We've got the, uh, the recap for TOC um we could probably start with with men's singles uh and singles isn't really i haven't been playing it but i am playing singles in cincinnati in a couple weeks so i'm looking at these guys i'm I'm trying to get back into the game and see what's going on and uh one match that stuck out to me was one of the best matches i've seen in a long time it was connor garnett versus federico stackshirt in the semis um i would just encourage viewers to go back and watch that one because it was insane Connor was, I think, did you call that match? I believe that I did. Yes. Yeah, I believe okay. I did. Yeah. So, sometimes sometimes it runs together, James. So uh, uh, I'm not positive, but I, I think that was me out there. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> It was insane. And I, uh, when I watch these guys now, it's like, it's just the passing shots are absolutely absurd. It's kind of like singles isn't even really, it doesn't look like there's anything other than just guys are out there that just want it so bad. They just want to compete and they're just ripping serves. The game has changed so much. I, uh, what occurred to me mostly was like a year ago when I came in and played singles, it was way easier than it is now. The men's singles game of all things that have gotten way better. Men's singles is just anything can happen. There's probably 15 guys that could get to the final or win like any tournament. You saw that with Gabe Joseph last weekend. It's just, it's so competitive. It makes me not want to come back in it. But yeah, no, every, every time I'm on the call, I have to make the, the blanket statement that I retired at the right time. But uh, of the of the five uh, events, men's and women's singles, men's and women's doubles and mixed from when I last was relevant a year and a half or two years ago, 
the biggest leap is men's doubles, in my opinion, no question of those five events. Now they've all gotten better and a uh, higher level, uh, but men's singles is definitely number one for me. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause when I, when I first came in, you had, you know, I'm not going to throw anybody out of the bus, but there were some, sure guys... <laughs> I mean, there was some, there were some players that were making the quarterfinals and the semifinals that really didn't nowadays are like in the qualities. And you look at these first round matchups, you've got like, I couldn't, you know, a guy like Julian versus Jao May or like Connor Garnett versus like Christian or something. It's just, it's <laughs> absolutely insane. And I, uh, so I'm going to come back in, but I think my new plan for singles is just, I'm going to hit every serve as hard as I possibly can. Literally. No, I, I think that that's a very reasonable strategy. And just to, uh, I know you mentioned that you're going to play in a couple weeks. What would you say is your overall game plan for moving forward in singles as you are now uh, becoming more relevant and running deeper in the doubles draws? Yeah, I think it's, I think my game plan is probably going to be singles every other event. Um, I think I'm definitely more of a, of a fall and winter singles player. <laughs> <laughs> the summer it's not really for me you know uh for people who don't know actually this next tournament in kansas city the singles day on thursday is going to be 105 degrees so i'm not playing it uh needless to say but in the winter i'll play more i think i think my strategy is going to be i'm going to pick colder venues indoor venues i'm just going to bang the serve bang the return and then hit a drive and uh and not play backdrop and that's and yeah hit a drive and then keep driving if you have to if that if that brain flickers drop uh get back into the point we're, we're just not going to do that james we're going to power through no no i'm not going to go out there and make smart decisions <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to make smart decisions to preserve my body that's there you go that's right you, save, save all the smart decisions for doubles day okay there you go yeah, man, I only need them for men's day. I don't need any mixed. I'm just going to, you know, not a lot of strategy there either. So singles, <laughs> I'm just going to rip everything. And I think, especially for how I move my feet and how much I, and like, you know, I'm a pretty big guy. I was getting a lot of little like ticky tack injuries when I played singles and they just really bugged me and it affects my mixed day. It affects my men's day. And I didn't think it was worth it. So when I do come back in, there's not going to be anybody playing shorter points than me so and i completely utterly respect that uh been many many years uh since i've been played singles but i was the same way big flat drive if it hits the back fence you know that's all good if, if it paints the back line that's that's okay as well but uh there's no dropping there's no dinking and dunking and i will be fresh for doubles the next day that's for sure yeah yeah and you know that's one one of the reasons i'm happy that the ppa got rid of the back draw outside of the first round because I don't have to feel bad, you know, if I win a match, lose, <laughs> well, yeah. it is what no, it definitely. is. Definitely. Hey, well, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, we can, we can, you know, go back to singles if we need to, but I just kind of wanted to touch on uh, first round mixed doubles play from this past tournament at Tournament of Champions. And I certainly uh, wouldn't have poked the bear if you didn't have so much success on the men's side. Uh, but uh, let's, let, let's chat about that uh, briefly. Uh, as Rachel Rohrabacher and Andre Deesky were able to to catch you and Anna, uh, this is pickleball. Crazy things happen, and uh, two quality players that you played. But I, I would have to say, uh, uh, definitely an upset on paper. Yeah, and it was it was surprising for me because like Anna and I have been super consistent 
we had gotten four straight podiums up until that that point. So we had felt like we were always getting deep, but we had never played a tough first round. And every time we play a first round, it's like, you know, they come from that round of 64 draw and it's round of 32. And it's two teams that we've maybe never even seen or two players, sorry. But now we've got Andre and Rachel and it's in TOC, tough to get to the kitchen, the ball's flying. Um, and I think we made the mistake of maybe under practicing and under valuing how important it is to get used to that TOC altitude because I think neither of us were dialed in. I missed a few serves. We missed some returns. And Andre and Rachel had already played a match. So they had already played a match. They played well. Andre didn't miss a ball. And Rachel was tougher to attack than I expected. Rachel played really well. And she's got a lot of power. She's using the halo pretty soft. I saw that. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give some off pace, you know, backhand speed ups. I'll be fine. And she's just clocking the ball. I think I hit <laughs> the third point of the match. I hit like a off pace speed up right to her forehand. She might've bagged Anna with it. I'm like, oh, okay, sorry about that, Anna. And so it's, yeah, they, they played really well. And I was just a little bit, I played poorly. I played worse. I, I was the worst player on the court. I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. And um, now I realize, like, okay, if, if our first round is, is difficult, like that we've got to I've got to be more disciplined about warming up and I got to take it really seriously because anything can happen in that type of situation yeah I, th I think it uh there, there was probably a couple factors in play and it's you know what warming up a lot if the tournament's in South Florida you know probably not that big of a deal you're used to that it's warmer conditions it's easier to make balls but I think paired up with a very quality first round opponent and that altitude which is only a couple or handful of tournaments a year uh you know probably played a factor in it but i mean you talked about the first rounds and singles i, I know rachel rohrabacher is not a name that's known well but she was drafted high in mlp she's got a lot of game and of course the uh the veteran of the game andre dayescu so uh i think if you guys run it back you probably have a a, a good job to catch some revenge but uh yeah good good for them and nice win for them but you sure did make up for it in, in men's doubles day didn't you jimmy I, I did okay in men's day. I think <laughs> it was interesting because, so I guess, I guess we'll talk about men's doubles, you know, why Let's not go. We're to get into the men's doubles recap. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so I, this was my second tournament where I was just playing the right the whole time. Like I was pretty much, you know, I played the left a little bit of a couple possessions in like the first two rounds, but mostly I was playing the right the whole time. And I decided after this tournament, I think that, Playing the right is just, it's just way better. It's just so much more fun. I, I'm not going to say I'm a right side specialist, obviously, but I think it is, it's just a better deal. You know, you hit less balls, you play less court, and you get the same amount of prize money and maybe a little less, little less of the, the glory. But I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm fine with that. And uh, it was, it was great. I, I think I have a good, well, I'll get into the, our, our run. So me and Tyson, we won the gold in men's and our second round, we played DJ Young and Eric Lang. And that one was uh, not particularly competitive. I think uh, DJ was making a lot of errors. Um, one thing I noticed from that match, though, is that Eric Lang's backhand punch um, with a paddle that's not that poppy, like the head paddle is not a particularly poppy paddle. He had some backhand punches that came off like overheads. Eric did. And I think I, I, I had never really noticed that 
um, before playing him, but he just connected on some that were just absurd. So uh, I think that's, I don't know if you've dealt with that, but. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've played Eric Lang. I would be shocked if it's less than 10 times. And I think it's very similar uh, kind of to Tyson's. It's a poke, not a flip. You know, he kind he kind of pokes it. Uh, you, some other players really roll, get underneath I mean, on that terrible. backhand side. Oh, you're talking about the counter. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you're not you're not talking about the backhand speed up. You're talking about when Eric slides and punches the crap out of a backhand. Oh yes, no, I've I've actually dealt with that at TOC. Deckel and myself playing Eric Lang and Steve Deacon, and uh, I was actually playing the left at this time, and Eric Lang was playing the right, and I just kept hooking my forehand from the middle right into that backhand electric punch. And the thing about Eric Lang is when he's on the right. He slides to the right and punches the backhand. And when he's on the left, he slides to the left and slaps forehand. So uses his length really nicely. And when you can you can make that slide much more comfortably when you have the wingspan. So uh definitely dealt with that before. And uh Eric Lang, he's got some game. Yeah, I was I was surprised. That was that was my takeaway from that match. It was like these that that backhand counter was coming off like a like a Dylan Frazier overhead, you know, like same <laughs> And uh, maybe a little hotter than that. And um, Ta -da! <laughs> that was one. And then I think so. Our next match, we played Andre and, and Dylan. And um, that was weird because Dylan is, in my opinion, somebody who I had, I think is tougher to play against than Andre. I think if I had to choose when I'm on the right, somebody I want to be in front of, I felt really comfortable with Andre in front of me. Uh, just not a lot of, you know, he's a great competitor. The guy won't miss a ball, right? Andre is so solid, but I think in a, in a hands exchange with Andre, it's tough for me to lose. And I think no, it's just the truth. And um, I think, I think Dylan is, they made the switch a little too late there. I think they put Dylan on the left at nearly the end of the second game. And um, I think, Dylan is a guy who's who's capable of playing the left at a high level. It's not like he's just a right side guy that can just only play the right and, and just doesn't really do anything on the left. Like I uh, I think Dylan should have probably played the left more there. And um, that was my takeaway from that match. I mean, Tyson played so well. I didn't really do much. I didn't have a lot of a lot of touches there. And um, I think I think we have an interesting strategy, Tyson and I, because for the majority of the tournament, Tyson would just dink cross and he would just keep the ball in front of me for the most part. If he had one where he could take it out wide and he was in control of the rally, he would do it. But if he was in an even dinking exchange, he was just going to dink it cross, keep it in front of me and he just wouldn't miss. And because I'm pretty tough to attack on the right, especially if I'm only covering 40% of the court, I could slide back in. He can counter bigger with his forehand than his back end, but not even close. He could sit forehand in that middle and who's going to out dink Tyson backhands cross. So it didn't really matter the matchup, right? Like when we played Connor and Christian in the semis, Connor's obviously a lot better of a player than Christian is, but Connor saw all the balls. And even when we played Riley and AJ, we were mostly just keeping it in front of me the whole time. And I would just dink straight on. I just dinked middle dinked and we just kept it right in front of me, dared people to come through me. And that was kind of the play. It was kind of like Tyson was playing like cross court, like skinny singles, 
And then he just had like a 40% of the court with me and I'm just ready to punch the back in. And um, it's an interesting strategy. We haven't really, I haven't seen that too often. Usually it's the reverse of that. Usually it's like two right side guys going cross. So I don't know if we turned over a new leaf. I don't know. What, what do you think about that, that strategy? Uh, no, I, I, I think it obviously worked well this past weekend, but I think the main thing for me is I would say, I think that Tyson's initial counterattack is fine. I think when Tyson speeds up, he's on the next ball fine, but he struggles a bit when his partner speeds up. So I think that putting him on the left probably gives you guys the best of those three situations. So he's going to be the one speeding up more than you. When you're on the left, you know, you're going to do your little thing, speed up this and that, and it might catch Tyson in some awkward spots. So I think that having him on the left, him doing a lot of the speeding up and then being on the next ball or just initially countering an attack from the opponent is a better situation than you speeding up and then possibly that next ball going to Tyson. Is that reasonable? For sure. Yeah. And I think if I'm on the left and he's countering backhand in the middle, if it comes to him, that's not the same as him countering forehand. Because when he loads up on that forehand, like people, you know, he's not known for his counters, but if he can sit on the forehand, it's coming back hot. And um, I also think Tyson is really good at initiating. I think he's a lot better of an initiator, even in men's than, than people give him credit for. Um, so he was able to attack AJ. He attacked Riley in some great spots. Um, he was able to get Riley cross court a lot at wow. like, kind of his stomach. And that's an interesting spot. Riley, it's like the spot on him is kind of, kind of like his belly button a little bit. And he, and Tyson can hit a spot very well. So he would go right at the stomach. It kind of came back to me and I could finish it. I think that happened a couple of times. So I think we're a way better team when Tyson's on the left, he's orchestrating the action. And then I'm just standing there, push the dink in and just, and send the backhand counter back. That's all. No, no I, I love it. I love it. And yeah, and, and that is the spot. It's hard to get it there on Riley, but if you can go belly button or below with that grip on the forehand, it's not, it's not this, he's got to come underneath it. And that's a much different situation. You kind of avoid the pancake, but you're right. Tyson was speeding up now. I consider a, a fully cross-court speed up if he's on the left attacking with his backhand, but he was hitting those forehands from kind of the middle of the court and with quite a bit of success. And I'll tell you right now, has has Tyson kind of optimized playing off the kitchen line? Because if you look at some of these situations, you have AJ right on the kitchen line, you have Tyson three or four feet off, but some of the quality of shots that he's hitting, not only counterattacks with power, especially on the forehand, but his block ability when he steps back, it's like he is masking maybe some issues hanging right on the line, but he does such a good job of it. You have to give him some credit. Yeah, you know, Tyson's ability to you know i didn't like it at first because it made me feel bad about my own resets because i wanted to blame i was like ah oh, my paddle's too poppy <laughs> we're using the same paddle <laughs> it's like okay so he's doing it with the o2 i guess i gotta be able to do it with the o2 he's from like four feet back he's getting to the kitchen every single time it's you know we've got i couldn't tell you how many times during this tournament i hit one of the worst thirds you could have 
could imagine. Like a third shot drive, six feet above the net. And somebody's got a over the shoulder ball right at Tyson's feet. He just drops it right into the kitchen. Like his his transition game, his fifths, his sevenths, like that's what really I think carried us in a lot of ways. And I think in the final, I was able to get to the kitchen decently. I kind of pushed, pushed the drops in, but Tyson was, you know, he's taking 70% of the court on thirds, but I'm still hitting most of them because people are trying to find me at, at any point. <laughs> so I'm hitting most of the thirds, but he's 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 giving me that little. He kind of let me get into a rhythm, but uh, his ability to block with with one hand too, which is really impressive. I noticed that a lot, like because he's not. You can go there pretty often if he's three or four feet back, because he's not going to put two on it and clock it. He's just going to reset it, but he's not going to miss it. And it's it's interesting because when you're going against a team like AJ and Riley. And AJ and Riley both have great hands. And we would all agree that AJ and Riley do have that, that hand speed advantage over Tyson. But it didn't really matter because, and the other thing about that too is going against that team, your resets have to be so good against AJ because AJ is really tough to get to the kitchen on. And if you leave it high and it bounces a little against Riley, Riley's going to clock a backhand. It's, it's really difficult, but his Tyson's resets were just so precise at TOC, which is also interesting because of the altitude. It was um, it was pretty crazy to watch. And I think playing off the kitchen line is weird because you don't really consider that a, a strategy for men's, but he was he was just so comfortable four feet back, three feet back. And I I don't know. Like I think I guess that works, right? Like I, I never really thought of that. I mean you you can you can kind of only knock them for so long. I mean, I, I've made multiple comments myself, you know, uh, you know, just just maybe not the crispest of hand speed from the kitchen line. But when the man does not miss, masks it and has a whole legitimate strategy from a couple feet off the line, you kind of just you kind of just roll with it and give the man some credit. Uh, very impressed with his play and. I don't care how how much grit you have on your paddle, how much pop you have on your paddle. Not missing is a very nice quality to have in your own game, and and Tyson has that in spades, for sure. You know, I think maybe that's why Riley gets mad when his partner's misses because he's so used to playing with Tyson. <laughs> yeah, pro- possibly so. And it's it's just like like optically too. It's it, he only maybe makes a spectacular play or shot every so often. But like, it's so interesting when you're watching, when someone makes a spectacular play and then someone makes five great gets and great consistent shots into the kitchen, you probably give more credit to to that one great play than those five shots that were placed perfectly into the kitchen, but soft. So uh, it's hard to really watch a match and figure out exactly who's playing well exactly who's making the mistakes and it's that I think that's a cool part about the sport honestly yeah I think so too and the last thing I'll say that Tyson's really good at also is just he's not taking you know 50% of the court on these dinks he's taking everything off my inside foot I I hit like a couple dinks here probably popped up half both of them you know (laughs) he's taking so many dinks and they're so precise like the dinking against AJ and Riley has to be good because they they're wanting to pull on almost everything. And the dinking was just so, it was so solid. It was really, I, I remember thinking that in the middle of the fifth, like, 
because sometimes I'll get these like intrusive thoughts when I'm at the kitchen line and Tyson's just like he had like three or four perfect things in a row I'm like Tyson's dialed wow <laughs> I can only I can only imagine some of the things going through your head uh up in the kitchen line or really at any point in time uh James but okay so last thing I will talk about with Tyson I know you said last thing but I'll take this one um where would you say you know as being a top pro player when we have these the talent so tight at the top how important is it to build your partner up and maybe be the type of partner that gets the most out of them okay it was a big responsibility for me with Deckel because I was just way less talented Tyson seems to you know he's pushing you he's chest bumping you you know he it's a good vibe on court how important is that I that was something that I forgot to say I got to talk about this um it's there's no real ranking for it there's no like duper for it or whatever but it should be acknowledged because it matters um in doubles pickleball it is a huge deal and if there was a ranking for like how good of a partner you are I think Tyson's got to be number one and Tyson gets the most out of his partners like you see you know in Red Rock with Brendan Long like Brendan played his best pickleball and I think a part of that is because if you've got Tyson on your team, you've got Stallion performance there, Craig Fossner, you know, his trainer, you've got, it's like an awesome, it's an, it's an experience. And really, I think, you know, it's not, this isn't a knock on somebody like Riley because everybody's different and it's not, you know, or even like a Ben or something who aren't known as like super supportive partners. Maybe they're not going to whisper the sweet nothings in your ear and, and all that. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's a different situation, but I think there's there's definitely value in being somebody like a Tyson. And I think I have that quality also. I think I'm I'm also pretty aware of the fact that you're not going to make your partner better by not acknowledging them after a point that they missed. Right. Or like eye rolling them. It's just it doesn't make you play better. It really doesn't. And I think Tyson, that's probably the most underrated part of his game, because people play well when they play with somebody like a Tyson or like a, a Catherine, right. Or like an Anna or even me, like somebody who's just constantly supportive. And that's, that's something that, you know, I wasn't comfortable on the right. Didn't really know what I was doing, but every time I made a dink or hit a backhand counter, Tyson's like, let's go, you know, like, it's just a, it's a, it's a real factor. And um, you can't, yeah, you can't ignore that. So. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Great point. And, uh, you know, big, uh, I, I talk about this all the time, big, big talent level differences a couple of year, years ago, not so much. This is the stuff that can give you over the hump is the intangibles at this point. So you obviously need the quality play on court and, and the talent and, and the the repetition, but uh, just a couple, a couple little extra things that, that some people might not give a lot of credence to can, can really get you where you need to be. And, and that's, that's cool that there's different uh, variety of ways to get that done. Yeah, I think so too. And um, so I guess, yeah, we could talk about the mixed. Uh, it was a weird situation, right? Because you've got Pat Smith and Tina in the final, because me and on me and Anna laid a little bit of an egg in that first round. And <laughs> it's unfortunate because but there are, there are there are some good things that I want to talk about though. Like I thought I thought Gabe um, Tardio and Tyra Black played really well in a cool match to watch, by the way, against Federico Stackshoot and Leia Jansen. Um, that match is streamed, so I would encourage you to go back. There was actually some uh, 
just I think I think Tyra's mixed game is coming along a lot faster than all of us thought it would. Um, as we know, right, mixed is the last thing for new girls to get, and then men's doubles is the last thing for new guys. Um, but she's looking really solid. She's really tough to attack. And Gabe is really good. Like Gabe is really creative, really talented. Um, I I thought he should have been taken in premiere. And he's a little up and down, but that was a team. That was a team, Gabe and Tyra, that I was really impressed by. Um, and I watched all the matches. So, yeah, yeah. and I, uh, I I was able to call some of that match. I believe they were they were playing uh, Pat Smith and Pisnik, and I think it was a tough break uh, that they had to come back in the morning, and they kind of got off to a slow start. And I actually mentioned it on the broadcast. Is you know just when you're a little bit older, more experienced, and not just in pickleball, just life experiences, when you have five or six bad points, it's easier to get out of it. And I think Gabe and Tyra kind of got stuck uh, in a rut and were just unable to dig out of it and kind of ran out of time. So, that, so that's a tough break. But either way, some really nice play from Pat Smith, who was actually able to bend his body. Two years ago, he couldn't bend his body. So uh, the, the fact that he got he's more healthy, uh, able to to move a little bit and, and especially bend. And then you pair that with Tina Pisnik, who very early in her career is making some good decisions out there. And she does not miss a lot either. Uh, it was great to see them have a nice run. Yeah. And it was my impression that Tina has really good hands. I uh, I didn't get to see a lot of her play. I haven't I'm not as familiar with her game. But what I have seen is that she's she seems to check every box. I was waiting to find, I was like, I was waiting to see something that wasn't good. And I just haven't seen it. Like I, she's really good. And uh, Pat was also really impressive in the semis against Riley and AJ. Mm -hmm. Obviously AJ wasn't at his best in that match, but Pat was, Pat's hands look really clubby. He looks like he's moving well. And obviously the concussion happened and, and that was unfortunate. But up until that moment, he looked, um, let's just say this the fact that he didn't get drafted in challenger was that's shocking i think that's even more of a snub maybe than than callan because pat can go out there and play some singles too yeah and i like i said the hip the, hip's a big big factor hip's a big deal and when that's barking at you you're going to get yourself in some, in some tough situations but i think the key word in everything you said james was clubby his hands are heavy and when he hits it well, that thing gets back on you pretty dang quick. And I remember some of those counter attacks coming back at me really quick a couple years ago. And it was very nice to see them again. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And Jay played pretty well, too. I'm excited for the Dallas Pickleball Club. You know, that's going to be <laughs> an interesting team there. So speaking of the Dallas Pickleball Club, Elise and Callie got to the finals. They took out Anna and Tyra in the semis. The women's final, I actually watched it. I usually don't watch the women's finals, but uh, I watched this one, guys. So I saw what happened. And uh, the main thing that came to my mind, and I just have these random takeaways, but but this random takeaway is Catherine's resetting and thirds. Like if I could, if I could get to the kitchen like Catherine, I might be like the best. Like it was insane. Catherine's, <laughs> Catherine's resetting. It's just, I, I get more impressed with, good thirds and resets than anything uh like I was in the crowd actually a couple people were laughing at me because it was the fourth game and they had just had some crazy hands battle but like Catherine had some like off the shoelace 
backhand reset goes an inch over the net and that's what got them in and i was just talking about that the whole time it's just the stuff that she does in transition is i mean it's same with tyson i don't know who's better in transition between her and tyson but it is uh it's pretty special it's it's pretty shocking yeah so, I, I i would say they're they're very similar tyson occasionally he he, he occasionally looks a little off balance yeah. uh maybe kind of scampering a little bit but it, it, it's always under control and it always goes in i would say from an aesthetic point of view Catherine's a little smoother and some of her some of her like controlled lunging and little adjustment steps to create her consistent contact point is very very impressive off of very very hard shots so uh she's always been that type of player that it's just smooth as silk and uh there's not a, there's not a whole lot of missing going on from cp or tm uh maybe i need to get a two-letter acronym for myself uh because they're they're really killing it uh from the back of the court and like you said i mean we're talking 90 plus percent get to the kitchen which is you know that's just a, such a big deal it's crazy and i'm i'm working on that every day but i think i think a part of that might just be talent i uh because I don't feel like that. <laughs> oh man, that's good yeah. stuff. Uh, so how, how about how about this, James? If dropping and midcourt play were literally all there was in pickleball, what would your rating be? <laughs> you wouldn't be talking to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it in the fours? Is it in the fours <laughs> at least? <laughs> I think it's so funny, like. I, uh, I, I'm working on it a lot more now. Like I've it's crazy. Cause it's not due to a lack of reps, but I, uh, I'm working on it now. It's going to definitely not be due to a lack of reps because I'm spending probably two hours a day in that transition zone, literally. Um, but it is weird. Cause I was doing a clinic and there was like the advanced clinic at this place called sea colony. Shout out to Alex, Justiniani. It was an awesome clinic. We did. There's an advanced clinic four O's and above that we did. And I could have swore there was three or four people there that were better at getting to the kitchen than me and, and they're just doing like they're resetting the ball like it's it just it really confuses me some people just have that talent i guess and i i have to work for it every day but but to answer <laughs> the question i think if if resetting and dropping was all there was because i can dink i can dink at a high level but resetting and dropping i'm probably like a four five five oh yeah yeah, that's reasonable. That's reasonable with it. With it. <laughs> okay, so I had I had one one last note here on my uh, little spiral notebook here, and so let's chat a little bit about the future of right side play moving forward, and kind of what the prototypical right side player will look like. Most right side players, two two plus years ago, looked a little bit more like me, and lately we've seen. You play a little bit. We've seen DJ Young in the mix a little bit on the right. Even uh, Andre a time or two, even though he's you know not that that's not his style to be over there. Do you think that we could get to a point where instead of just having a rock over there, we have more of a hybrid who can be consistent with the dinking, but is speeding up using their length and, and uh, using uh, some heavy-handed counterattack ability with their size some as well. Yeah, I think. It's interesting. I think it gives the left side player, <clears throat> I think Tyson felt a lot more comfortable dinking aggressively, taking a lot of control of the point and, and using those linear dinks. 
because he knew that if the ball did pop up a little and I got attacked, that would be okay. So it's not Jay over there, right? And I think <laughs> it's different because if you're playing the left and you've got a guy who you think is vulnerable to a lot of attacks, you don't want to be, you know, you feel a little bit like tight about a lot of your, your aggression. You don't want to let loose. So I think there's an argument to be made that maybe if you've got a really good creator on the left and a really consistent dinker also on the left, if you just give them a guy on the right who's willing to take 30% of the court and just is really tough to attack on that 30% of the court, I think that lets the left side player play at their best because they're still taking a lot of court and they're still orchestrating the action. Like, I'm not saying I'm the one on the right that's that's orchestrating the action. I think in the final, I sped up maybe four or five times, but I was just a rock at the kitchen and I was really tough to attack. And I think that gives that gave Tyson a lot of freedom to play how he wanted to play. So I think I think the future of the right is maybe the most important thing might just be consistency and countering ability. Um, and maybe, you know, being able to speed up also is is very important because I think uh, but ultimately the most important thing, in my opinion, is just being able to counter. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And especially and it's twofold as well when Tyson is dinking aggressively and he's not as comfortable with his right side partner, you know, that might turn into a third nipple as opposed to uh, right into the power air uh, down at the feet of the opponent. So he can dink more aggressively. And when he feels like he gets a little sliver of offensive opportunity, he can go for it instead of being like, Oh man, should I do this? Um, I don't know if my partner will be ready. And when he has that freedom uh, I, I could see where that would really, re really help uh, uh, mentally as well uh, to just do whatever he wants to and not second guess a thing. Yeah. And uh, I think that is, I think the other thing though, that, that also is important out of a right side player is being able to dink pretty aggressively and safely. And that's where I'm kind of figuring that out on the right. I was sort of pushing him in, but um, that's a place where I think Dylan Frazier really separates himself. <laughs> because his ability to dink aggressively he's got the hesitation you look like it's look like a speed up then he goes hard inside out yeah well shoulder he's been throwing in the shoulder fake lately let's go yeah I mean that type of manipulation with his dinks is huge and I think I think that's for me that's the next thing for me I'm, I'm working on that a lot too but being able to do that from the right it makes it makes a a world of difference so those are my that's my my takeaway I would say. Yeah. And, and, and I was, I think that that was something when I was playing, I could have done a better job of because I could handle pace very well from the dinks. I was extremely consistent, but they were pretty dead. You know, they, there, there wasn't, I, I, I could move them around, but I, it was much more as Tyson would say, lift dinks, not the push linear dinks. And I, I think that that was a mistake on my part to not go for a bit more because I think I could have done that without sacrificing much consistency. And I agree. Dylan 12, 18 months ago was not doing that near as much. And now he is, and he is not missing anymore. And obviously that's, that's a great combination to have more aggressive, same consistency. Yeah. All right. Well, what better way to end the podcast than on the topic of Dylan Frazier, you know, let's just. <laughs> oh, oh, James, I, I have one more question for you. So I, I have four nicknames here for you. Tell me what is your favorite classic? We got classic James. 
We got Jimmy, we got Big Papa, and we have Iggy. Okay. Um, you know, it depends on who's calling me it. Like a lot of these, a lot ah, of the, I see these tournaments. I've got a lot of like middle-aged men, you know, like, oh, daddy, big papa. It's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. But uh sometimes I'd say other men, you know, you could just call me James. Jim <laughs> Jimmy's fine. Um, but no, I I think uh I think James is good, Jimmy's good, Big Papa's good. Iggy's kind of like, ah, it's kind of lame. I think, but I don't really care. I mean, I'm just here to hit things, you know. So that's right. So we 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 got Iggy at a distant number four. That's all the information we needed. Enjoyed it, James. Uh until next time and best of luck. You got a couple, couple uh coming up, I believe Kansas City and Cincinnati before Major League Pickleball. So uh looking forward to watching and seeing you do your thing, buddy. Awesome. Thank you.